This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. This is episode 79 and as you already know, I am interviewing the one and only Kate Norman and guess what? It is definitely based around Eildon Cod. I know Eildon Cod are a huge, huge target for many of you, especially those down in Victoria. They can be a very difficult fish to get your hands on. Eildon is a massive fishery. It is home to a lot of cod, but it can be very, very tricky at times. I have been very keen to sit down and have this chat with Kate for some time and it was awesome to talk about her background, how she got into fishing, which is what we share in this episode, how she juggles her family life now, having a little daughter. She's getting closer to two years old, so it's been a crazy two years, but she still manages to get out for a fish. So I was really intrigued as to how Kate goes by her weekly schedule, how she manages to go for a fish, what that looks like. I know she does a lot of fishing solo, so we talk a little bit about that. And it was really interesting to get an insight into her life and how she manages it. And with fishing being such an important part of what she does, she still manages to get out there and put time in on the water. We actually talked about her recent trip that she did there where she landed her PB fish, so we start the episode with that. Then we get into the bit that you really want to hear about, which is Lake Eildon, chasing Lake Eildon cod, how Kate uh, chases them, what she does, her favorite lures for Eildon, the behavior of those fish and how they change from season to season and week to week even, the different key areas that she fishes. I learned a lot about fishing Lake Eildon from Kate and that's what I love about every single interview that I do on this podcast is I'm personally always learning and I know you will too so I really hope you get something out of this episode. Whether you chase Eildon cod or whether you just chase impoundment cod anywhere, you will learn something. There was one part of the conversation where Kate talks about how she works a bank and I thought that fascinating because it's very different to how I work a bank but something that I will actually apply to my sessions going forward so Always be open-minded and always learn from others and I really do hope you enjoy this episode. So without further ado, that is it from me. We will jump in and chat with the one and the only Kate Norman. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the podcast. I'm pretty keen for this one. Uh, We were meant to do it earlier in the week but uh, as we all know, we all get crook from time to time and I'm glad... To say that, Kate, you have your voice back. Welcome to an episode. Thank you very much. I am still a little bit husky, so I do apologize for that, but I am definitely um, in much better spirits than I was earlier in the week, a little bit sick. Yes, but self-inflicted sort of. Was it self-inflicted sort of? You got it from the little one, but then did you have it before you went fishing or did you get it after you went fishing? I did have it a little bit before I went fishing and to be honest, if I probably sat at home and looked after myself, it wouldn't have been an issue, but I decided to go up to, to Eildon and fish for the weekend a few nights out on the water with little sleep and out in that cold and <laughs> it definitely hit me on the Monday morning, but it was worth it. I would do yes. it again every weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, it's self-inflicted uh, by the sounds of it and your own fault, but you'd do it again and again. Which is good. Can you um, run us through that session last week while we're at it? Because I'm actually really keen to hear, well, I sort of saw how it went, but um, 
tell us about the session. What was the point of it? Why did you plan it? Um, what was the plan and, and how did it all go? So we pretty well just wanted to organize a few nights out on the water. A lot of the trips that we do are just sort of one night or one morning sessions. My family live in Alexandra, so it's about 30 minutes away from Lake Eildon. So Brendan, my partner and I can just zip out for a quick session, which is good, but we wanted to spend some time on the water and fish some new areas and just try a few different things. Um, we also organized some of Brendan's friends, Josh and Jake Cop, to come down to have a fish of Eildon. They hadn't been yep. down here before. And also Rob Payne from Transducer Poles Australia up in Queensland wanted to come down and see what all this cod fishing was about. So we booked in a few nights at the Botels, so the accommodation out on the water at Jerusalem Creek, and set out there on Thursday just for a few nights. Um, and as I said, I was sick with Heidi, my, my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, before I went, but we still packed our stuff up and, and got out there, and we had her out on the Botels for the first two nights because my parents were actually unwell with COVID as well, so they were our babysitters, which that didn't Fell work through. yeah i was gonna say it how does did. it normally work but normally there are babysitters but yeah oh yep so we normally drop past them we see them we drop hardy off and then we can head out to the lake but because dad had covid um yeah we changed those plans so we had hardy out on the boatels and brendan and i just took in turns doing the night and the morning session so yep. he headed out thursday night um, and it was pretty tough it was the, the weather wasn't fantastic um and the fishing was a little bit quiet but he did end up with a good fish in the boat he came back at about 12 30 and ended up with a meter 17 cod um, mm-hmm. about midnight so that was pretty good my alarm then went off at 3 30 and i got out of bed um <laughs> after not much sleep especially coughing and and snotting and all of that all night um and got out on the water in the rain and the cold and fished and ended up with a new pb in the boat at uh that was about seven o'clock in the morning so the sun had come up and yeah um I hadn't really seen a lot of action up until that. And then everything just sort of played out well. And yeah, a new PB on the 10 inch mag draft, which was yeah really good. How big was it? A meter 22. Oh, nice fish. Yeah. So previous PB to that was a meter 16. I'd had two fish at, at that length, but yeah, meter 22, yeah. it just smashed it. That's and on my fish. own in the boat. So as soon as it was in the net, I looked at it. And because I had this head cold, I was already open mouth breathing by the time I got that yes. fish. In the net, and I looked at it and just went, oh, I've got no idea how I'm going to be able to lift this in the boat, but um, managed wow. to get it in. And um, I should have actually called one of the other guys that was out in the boat. That's I what I was going to say. That. Did you, you've, you've got like mates that were fishing down there. You just still did it all on your own? Oh, I should have. I think I just, I didn't panic, but I think I just, um, yeah, I just didn't realize I'm used to fishing on my own. I didn't even think to call them. There were probably two other boats pretty well in the area, but no, I just got it in the net and got it in the, the boat for a couple of quick photos and then released it and it swam off really well. Beautiful. What did you catch it on? Oh, the mag draft. Sorry, you did say. Yeah, me, yep. big mag draft. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So that's that cool. Good. So that juggling act, um, that's you've got to have a fairly good schedule then and I'm guessing just not this trip but any other trip, is that how it works as well? Only one of you go up solo because the other one's at home if you're little one? Yeah, it it's... Seems to work for us. Um, and since Heidi was born, I remember she wasn't even eight weeks old and we'd had it pretty tough. She didn't sleep very well. She had colic. And I said to Brendan, I've just got to go out for a fish. So he'd been out for a couple of trips. So he went out to Mawala and fished until midnight and parked the boat out the front ready to go. And I hadn't slept yet because I'd been up with Heidi all night. So I remember he came into the her room and went, the boat's ready to go. Off you go. So I put her down and, and he sort of took over from me and I jumped in the car and drove to Mawala and ended up 
fish in until sun up, which was pretty good. So That's we sort of get used to that. Session. <laughs> Holy <laughs> moly. Uh, it was, I think back now and it was pretty crazy, but I was just so desperate to get out of the house and just oh, yeah. on the water, some time to myself. And, and I think I love that. I love that solo time. It's my chill, my, my yep. happy place just to be out on the boat. And I find it really relaxing. Um, yeah, just being out on the water on my own, but we do do that. One person does the night session, one does the morning session, and that tends to work. If if we've got the whole night, sometimes we'll one of us will go for the whole night and just put the swag in the back. Um, yep. But then when they get home, because we are quite competitive, it's, it's then a quick swap over and the other one will jump in the boat and go and do a whole a whole night session afterwards. So right. we take in turns, yeah. So it's not like you're taking turns like one will go and then one will go in five days. You're literally swapping over the same night so you both get a crack. Is that how it happens yeah. most of the time? Yep. Yep, most of the time. That's yep. funny. I just as. I hate missing out. I just if Brendan goes out and gets a good fish, I go, Where did you go? What lures did you use? What did you find? And if especially he'd hate me saying that, but especially if he doesn't catch anything, I'm yes. that determined to go out and just beat him. So yeah, as soon as he does a donut session, I'm ready to go. Doesn't matter how much sleep or little sleep I've had, I'll yeah, jump in the boat and go. You're mad. So <laughs> especially if you didn't I love sleep it. that much. Does she sleep now? Is the question. Yes. Well, generally when she's not sick, she'll sleep sort of 12 hours or so. So we're very, very grateful. She is a good little baby. And even on the Botel, she'd been so sick the week before she'd barely slept and she slept from seven o'clock to seven o'clock that night. And we just snuck in and out of our gear in and out of the boat while staying there. So it worked well. We had her there for the two nights, the Thursday, Friday night, and then ended up dropping her off with mum and dad um, for the Saturday night. And Then we got a session in together, which is really good. We probably would have only fished together maybe oh, two or three times in the last two years. Like it hasn't been wow. much. So when we get to fish together, we get pretty excited. Nice. Good. So did you fish together much before having the little one? I'm just curious how everything changes yeah. when you have a little bub. So did you used to fish together all the time? Yeah, we only fish together. So I've sort of grew up fishing but mainly saltwater fishing and then I met Brendan we've been together sort of oh, I'd be just over seven years now and he did a lot of fishing for cod and yellow belly up in the Darling up around Burke and he grew up in Cobar yeah um so I grew up or I learned how to you know target cod from him fishing that sort of river system and then we just started doing a lot more down here living in Beechworth you've got Lake Mawala, Lake Hume, Ilden, yep. everything really close and then all the rivers as well um, so we all only fished together but then especially when I was pregnant um, I had a little bit of free time on my hand and was sort of working uh, four days a week so when Brendan would work shift work seven days on seven days off so if he was at work I thought god I don't want to just sit at home and <laughs> yeah and, and not be doing anything and I'd eye off that boat and I'd never taken the boat out on my own or done any of that and he just said you know you can do it like it's fine just take it out and I still remember the first time I took the boat out on my own it was a day trip to Mawala and I took it out and it was pretty nerve-wracking got the boat in the water drove and I'd marked on the map where I planned to fish I'd just downloaded charted waters on my phone so I was excited watching my phone and hit a stump and my phone went straight in the water oh. <laughs> and I just went oh this is my first session on my own this definitely isn't um yeah what I thought it would be so I was a bit upset about that but got a new phone and the week later went back out on the water and 
did a few little day trips like that and then it started to be you know the night sessions that we target those big cod and it just evolved from there. Did you hit a stump sitting down in the boat and the phone went over? Yes. You, you're kidding. Yes. Yeah. So, I was just putting through um, just sort of that shallow water. It was only about a meter and a half and just idling. Like I was not going fast at all. And just the angle, I was holding the phone, looking at the maps on my phone and just the angle that I've hit that stump, it's thrown the phone out of my hand and I just watched it just sit down into the weeds. So... And the bad thing is it was connected to the Bluetooth speaker, so it kept playing music for a good few minutes after it went in the water and then yeah, stopped. Yeah, right. So, uh, there were nearly tears that day, but I didn't let it beat me. I headed back out there. And and then from that, we started, um, yeah, probably just having that opportunity to do a session each. And, yep. and then when I was pregnant, I just thought we started fishing Eildon quite a lot together and I didn't want to wait until Brendan was off work and I had to wait a whole week for him to be on his days off. So I remember the first time I messaged him and said, oh, I'm just going to head up to Eildon for a bit of an afternoon session. And he said, yeah, that's fine. Good luck. And he rang me when he finished work at six o'clock and said, oh, you're on your way home. And I went, oh, I've, I may have lied to you. I've, I've got the swag and I'm not coming home tonight. <laughs> and I went, oh, you're mad. It's like two degrees. It's freezing out there. And, and I had a really good session that night. Um, and then, yeah, got addicted from that. Just kept going back. Yeah, how good's that? I love those stories. Um, so, did you think it didn't? Did it take you long to get used to the boat, or like three or four trips in, you were happy, like you were fine towing it, launching it, just for the purpose of if someone else was listening and they're a bit scared to actually take the boat out, um, so their yeah. partner drives all the time. Did it really not take that long, other than the first trip of losing your phone? Yeah, uh, it it wasn't too long, and you'll find. I think with Brendan, he was a really good teacher that he'd let me do a few things with him um, when we'd go out together. So it wasn't like I suddenly just had to do everything on my own. So I would be the one driving back in the boat in with him and he'd jump in the boat, drive it off and then we'd go for a session. So you can start off just doing a few little things like that and then working your way up to doing everything on your own. And the other thing is that once you get into a bit of a pattern, you'll get to the stage that you don't even think about it. It's yes. just natural. You'll just get out of the boat. You pack everything. You back it down. Um, it's just all, all comes be. naturally. Yeah. Exactly. But it's just those first few sessions. So if you've got a partner or a friend that's happy to teach you, just even ask them if you can do the back in the boating, getting everything ready um, and do that for a few sessions. It just builds up your confidence. But Geez, once you've done one or two and you end up catching some good fish, that's, yeah, as I said, it's addictive and I couldn't wait to, to get back out there. Yeah. And I probably did lie about it. I'd just say, oh, I'm just going out for a quick day <laughs> session. And Brennan went, you're going an overnighter again, aren't you? And I'm like, yep. That's Guess you are, you are pregnant. You probably should come home and sleep in your bed. I was like, nope, I'm heading out and I'm loving it. But, that's yeah, if you can do a so few, few sessions like that and just have someone to help if something does go wrong, that definitely is, is key there. Nice. Um, I want to go back to the beginning of your story. I always like to ask everyone um, how, where they're from, you know, how they grew up and really how fishing started for you. Now, I heard you mention earlier about it started in the salt. So, can you tell us the entire Kate story, please? Yeah. So, growing up, my dad was a keen fisherman um, and my mum probably was too. I never really say that, but she was quite good and probably like me, very competitive, always wanted to get the biggest fish in the boat. And we grew up with our neighbours used to take their daughters as well on a, a yearly fishing trip to Lake Womboyne, which is on the east coast just below Eden. So, it's a saltwater lake 
Um, and then you've got the opportunity to do fishing off the rocks and the beach as well, which is great. So every year around December, we'd head off to Lake Womboyne with dad and his boat and we'd fish just for a week all day, every day. We'd just fish and we absolutely loved it. And especially fishing there, you get to fish for all the different species as well. So that's what I grew How up doing. How old was that? And, like, Oh, probably from when we were about, uh, seven or eight years old, I'd say. We did it for about 15 years. And um, was that the only time you fished, like only on that trip? What did you do for the other 12 months of the year? We'd do a few little trips to Eildon, but at that time the lake wasn't like what it was at the moment. It was really low. Um, and we definitely went out there for just a few little trips with some redfin and, and trout and things like that, but I never caught a cod in Eildon until only a few years ago. Um, and it was you know, just trying to fit it in with, with dad working and us at school and everything. But we definitely fish whenever we can. And I actually, mum got out some of my stuff from school the other day. And it was when I was in, I think I was in grade five or six. And it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it said a professional fisherman. It did it. So I didn't really, yeah, it did. Oh, that or a limousine driver. So I don't know where the limousine driver came from. but Surely that would um, get boring after it was a while. A, yeah. So it definitely said a professional fisherman. So that that made me sort of laugh a little bit and I've got some cool photos from yeah back in the day. So you only really fished a heap at the coast and a little bit here and there but you really loved it even though you didn't do it yeah. every weekend. Yep, exactly. And then meeting Brendan, that's they love fishing up there, you know, the Darling when it's flowing well, um they'd target all the yellow belly and cod and I did a few trips with him up fishing that system and absolutely loved it and then would take what I learned up there sort of down here and started branching out a bit more we have some friends with some dam that have some cod in it which was fun so we do a few sessions there as well and I think I just realized that the area that I live in I'm so fortunate that there's so many options you know really really close by I live in Beechworth and there's a little lake say, here where did you grow up I grew up in Alexandra so near Lake Gildon yep. it's only yep. half an hour away and you're in um, Beechworth now yeah, and there's this lake, which people, the locals will probably hate me saying it, but Lake Samble is one of the most underrated fisheries in the entire area. It's probably only a few hundred metres from my house and it's brilliant. It's got trout, redfin, it's got yellow belly. There are cod in there and trout cod as well. Yeah, but it's that's an where awesome little lake. Is. Yeah. Yeah, and you can actually put your boat in there and have a bit of a fish. So to have that only a few hundred metres from our house, when there was a COVID lockdown, we are allowed to go out and exercise if it was fishing within 5K. So I hit that lake pretty hard and had some, <laughs> had some good sessions on it. That's funny as. That's, uh, yeah, kept you sane, obviously. Unlike, I feel sorry for every, like a lot of Victorians that were locked down. Um, we had it nowhere near as bad, but it sounds like you had a, a party. Oh, I was very grateful when I realized how close that lake was and then that they did make the rule that you were allowed to fish that was uh, considered exercise. So um, don't worry, I had that boat down that little ramp and on the water nearly every day that I had off. So you, how old were you when you met Brendan and when you started to do those trips to the Darling and then how long since you really got into it around home? So that was probably seven or eight years ago. And then we really started to get into it down here probably four years ago or so. So it's not um, and that, that long, eh? Yeah. It's fairly short. Period. No, and don't worry, the, the first few sessions that we did to Eildon, well, more than a few sessions, I should say, that place is hard to fish. Like it broke our souls. We spent so many hours out there in the wind and the rain. And I think that's what I tell people. I get a lot of people that message me and say, you know, what are your tips for, for focusing or fishing at Eildon? And 
we probably did what everyone does where you put the boat in and you drive, you drive half an hour, one direction, you fish that, that bay because that looks good. Then you get back in the boat and you drive another half an hour, the other direction, the lake is huge. So since then we've sort of tried to focus our attention on certain areas and now started to learn certain areas that consistently hold fish and, and, we are branching out now and trying to find a few new areas as well, but you don't have to drive far. You don't have to go from one side of the lake to the other. There's fish all through that lake. You've just got to find them. What do you do, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do day to day? What did you? What do you do for a job? Uh, so I work as a veterinarian um, and I work, I manage two clinics. There's one clinic in Wangaratta and another one in Myrtleford. So at the moment I'm doing three or four days a week there as well as looking after the one and a half year old. Um, but yeah, I've been a vet now for, Oh, probably for about 14 years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Um, how do you, do you do anything else? Is it just work, fish and looking after a one-year-old? Like I can't imagine there's much more space in there for anything <laughs> at all. There's not a lot of space at the moment. I used to, a couple of years ago, I raced motorbikes. So raced in the Australian off-road circuit and did some desert racing. So up at Fink and Hatter and things like that. I've still got a bike and only just the other month pulled it out um, and had had another ride on it. So I do love motorbike riding as well. But at the moment, it's yeah, just juggling all of those things. There's not enough hours in the day. Why and how come fishing <laughs> took priority over motorbikes? What do you love about fishing that you didn't get from yeah. riding a bike? Uh, it was probably something that Brendan and I could do together. Brendan oh. rides bikes um, but didn't compete while I was sort of competing and um I also found it much more relaxing where racing was really good um, and a lot of fun and lots of adrenaline. But as I said, it's my sort of quiet time just to get on the boat and just have a little bit of a chill and a bit of a a session on my own. I find that really good for my mental health as well. Um, Not to say motorbikes aren't, but that's sort of more that adrenaline rush um, racing bikes. And especially Brendan and I have been able to do it together. We found that really good. Yeah. When you, when you do go fish, are you, cause there's a big difference or well, not a big difference. Some people do it just for fun. Like it's relaxing. The fish to bonus. They do it for what you just said, mental health to get some air. And there's other people who go out and it is a true goal and passion to actually catch a fish. Um, do you fish quite casually out there or is it always thinking, always going, always trying to catch that fish? Cause I know you said you find it quite relaxing, but are you still fairly focused the whole time all about trying to catch the fish? Yep, definitely. hundred yep. percent. Once I've caught a fish um, for that session, I can definitely chill out a little bit more and relax. But especially if you're going out there during winter and at night, I'm not going out there just to sit in the boat and just relax. It's cold, it's wet, it's windy, it's miserable. I'm focused. The second that I get in that boat, I'm yep. yeah, driven to try and get a cot on the deck. That's what I thought your answer was, would yeah. be. I just wanted to check because, yeah. yeah because but I still, I enjoy that. Like yes. that's my thing. Like I get out there in the boat and even that, like I may not be sitting there just chilled, kicked back and um, relaxing. There's not much but I, to do in the cold though. <laughs> no, but I find that is good. Like that's what I enjoy doing. That is my relaxing. Even if, if anyone else looked at what I was doing on the boat, they wouldn't find that relaxing at all. But I enjoy it. Makes me yeah. feel feel good. Awesome. Why cod and why Eildon? Is it just because of where you're based now and that you've figured them out and why are you drawn to cod so much? Is it just because you do live in the freshwater or do you think you'd have as much of a passion for a saltwater fish if you're on the coast? Yeah, I think that it 
It would depend where I lived here. Definitely, we're probably surrounded by some of the best cod fisheries in Australia. And Definitely. I think as well, there's they're a huge challenge. You can do everything right with these fish and something will still go wrong. Um, and I find, like, I enjoy that challenge, um, trying to chase them. And just when you think that you've got them sorted out and you're confident in what you're doing, something will change yes. and it won't work the next trip. So yes. <laughs> it's... Um, it happens to I everybody. Find, Oh, and it's just, as I said, it can be soul destroying just when you think that you've got everything and it doesn't matter how much time or effort or money you spend. It doesn't mean that you're going to catch a cod. You know, you can do all of that and still end up with a donut session. So I enjoy that challenge. Um, if I live somewhere else, I probably would also target another species, but I think living this close to Eildon and saying that Mawala is a fantastic fishery as well. Um, I just enjoy Eildon probably because I've grown up there and um, and it has been quite a big challenge for me. Um, and I've also got, that sounds horrible, but I've also got the babysitter and Alexandra on the way so I can drop Hardy off on the way through and <laughs> That's very go into a Kate. session. That's very, very important. It is. It is. And I think so, especially winter as well, Eildon is a fishery. Like there's lots of boats out there that are fishing, but Mawala during the summer months as well, there's a lot of boat traffic and it's a very big lake, but it's quite difficult in the wind as well to sort of get away from yes. one, the wind and also the, the boat traffic where Eildon is so big. It doesn't matter how busy it is or what the weather is. There's always somewhere that you can go that's yep. away from, from other boats as well. And, and I enjoy that. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's always handy because, like you said, if it's blowing a gale at Mawala, it can be an absolute nightmare to fish, um, oh, not being able to get out of it. And the other thing is I get horrendously boat sick. So I get boat sick on the stiffest yeah, lakes. Yeah, I, I read a post or saw that somewhere or a story or something somewhere. How, how that can't be good. Oh, it's horrendous. So I have to take um, motion sickness tablets every time I go out on the water. And even if there's only just the smallest little bit of chop, I'll be feeling like I'm going to vomit over the side of the boat. It's absolutely And yet you enjoy horrible. it. Horrible. <laughs> I it's do, like but... <laughs> everything has tried to stop you from fishing. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Everyone laughs. Even Brendan sort of says, he goes, are you sick today? I said, yeah, I am. And he goes, it's not even that that bad. And I'm like, I, I, I feel so sick. I'm just sitting in the back of the boat feeling like I'm going to vomit if I don't take anything. So now I just take take something before I get in the water and it's normally all okay, but I have to pre-prepare because otherwise I just pay for it. And it's not just when you're on the water, it's the next day I'll feel what? nauseous. I'll feel, oh, it's horrible. How do you go <laughs> it's a, um, if it's glassy? Like if it's complete glassy, you still get it because of the boat movement or no? If I'm out there for a long period of time, I'll still get it. If I'm only out for a couple of hours and it's glass, I'm fine. But if I'm out there for sort of five, six hours or longer and it's glassed out, I'll still get it. I'll get on the bank and I'll feel like I'm going to vomit. But you poor thing. But <laughs> it's not fair, is it? No, it's, that's um, rough because it's, it's probably something you'll never get rid of. Like it'll be there forever. Possibly. Yeah, it, it definitely. And especially then if I am going out there and sleeping on the boat, I have to plan exactly where I'm parking the boat because even if there's a little bit of a wave against the boat while I'm sleeping, I'll wake up in the morning really, really sick. So mm. How do you I've go got a few car? spots. Oh, horrible, horrible. I have to drive everywhere. I can't be in the back seat. I can't read. I can't look at my phone. I have to drive. <laughs> uh, it's horrible. Sorry. That's I okay. I, I yeah. No, anyone that's felt it would know it's definitely not funny. No, it's not. All, I've, but, um, I get it on like ocean, ocean with swell and I could not imagine getting that on a freshwater lake that I absolutely love 
and just you're out there. So, like if yeah, that's that's rough. It's it's cruel, but yeah, it's yeah. fine. I deal with it, yep. and I've managed to find ways around it, and it's okay. I'm working with yeah, it. Yeah, is what it is, isn't it? Um, (laughs) so question obviously you're busy family life uh do you just go fishing when you can so let's talk about the last two years or year and a half do you just Mm -hmm. go fishing when you can or do you actually plan your trips according to the weather so the barometer the temperature the moon so let's say for example you do i don't know do you go weeknights and then like swap or is it more the weekend where you swap with brendan and then the other question is that uh, mixed with this trip that you just planned, was it just because you guys could all make that weekend or did you plan it around weather? I would love to be able to plan trips around weather um, and moon phases and, and barometer and things like that, but I haven't been at the point that I've been able to do that. Um, and Brendan works Wednesday to Wednesday, so it sort of depends. We'll sometimes go you know, a Thursday or Friday night and also on weekends, but not at this stage. I would love to actually have the time to sit down and write down all the catches that we've had um, and what the moon phase was and what the barometer was and try and compare them. I do think there definitely is a pattern um, and I'm starting to try and, and work that out. But at this stage, it's not like I actually say, right, let's fish you know, yeah. Saturday night because of the moon. Um, I think go. it does play a part, but I just go. you know. And even I used to try and pick if I had a couple of days off wind was the main one Mm -hmm. um try and pick a time that it wasn't too windy but at the moment especially if i'm going to ilden it's fine there's always somewhere that you can go at ilden out of the wind um mawale is a different story but um at the moment it's just if we have someone to look after heidi or we've got time off we'll we'll get out on the water Um, and that trip that yeah that trip that we just organized we did fish that on a full moon um i think ilden doesn't always fish as well on a full moon, but a full moon is really good for people to fish if they've never fished the lake before. It obviously makes it a lot easier to fish overnight. Um, probably in Brennan and, and I's experience at Eildon, a lot of the time a uh, no moon or a new moon tends to fish quite well there, but you'll always, yeah, there'll always be fish at Eildon. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I was just curious to ask because, you know, the, the reason being is you obviously catch some big fish and a lot of fish and people might be going, oh, it's because she gets to go at the right time. But that's, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> like they will bite all the time. And that's a lot of the time how I used to fish too. And I used to always, the first thing I check is wind. Like before yeah. I check the brom of the moon, I go, oh, I'm going to go tonight or should I go tonight or tomorrow night? It's wind. One's got wind, one doesn't. That's the night. I don't care about anything else. I'm going then um, and then it, yeah. the other weather patterns follow. But yeah, that's interesting. And for anyone else yeah. who hasn't got the time, you can still have success in the world of fishing by just fishing the days that you have available. And like what you said, um, it would be nice to be able to look at that. And as I said, I'd love to actually go back through our fish and make a bit of a record and work it out. But I would never look at, you know, the moon or the barometer and go, I'm not fishing because of that. Yep. You'll always, you will still catch fish, but there are certain times that they will just go off for an hour or two. Um, but you'll always still be able to catch fish. So don't be put off by what, you know, the barometer is or the bite windows or anything like that. You will still be able to catch fish. Cool. Let's run into some real sort of tech fishy stuff we're going to talk about yield and if that's okay um yep. i got a bunch of questions on yield and so the, there's a few here the first one that i just wanted to mention is do you find that you have what's your ratio like your catch ratio because different lakes <laughs> well different lakes are different so for example 
and uh, blaring, funnily enough, I believe is still one of the toughest places to catch, catch a fish, catch a cod consistently. I will do one, two, three fishless trips, then catch one. Places like Byron Jack are different. You catch a fish nearly every trip, um, say a solid five, six, seven hour session or a night and a morning session. You'd probably get a fish on each session, if not every second session. With Eildon, do you find that there are periods there where it's quite tough? Uh, are you doing a fishless trip to every trip you catch one? What's the kind of ratio that you found sort of for winter um, from the last few years? Uh, for winter, I definitely don't think that it's as tough as as blowering to fish. Um, most of the time, if you put in a decent session, you will end up with a fish in the boat. Um, it did fish quite poorly when they were letting a lot of water out when you had a huge inflow and outflow. I'm not sure if the fish just ended up going really deep, but that was earlier in the year. Yep. Um, it was quite tough during that. But yeah, during winter, you should be able to majority of the sessions, yeah, get a fish in the boat. All going yeah. well. No, so there's a lot of fish in that lake since obviously yeah, they've put a heap of fish in there, but you've spent, I've spent a little bit of time there. I haven't actually done a winter session. I've done one, I think, very quick one. But so there's like, a, there's a lot of fish in there, isn't there? Yeah, there's there's a lot and a lot of big fish too. Um, and that's why people always sort of ask, you know, what area should I be targeting? Or I find, especially when you're fishing at night, it does help to fish an area that you're confident in, especially if there's no moon as well. So, yeah, if you can pick a, an area during the day and get to know it and have a look at the structure that's under the water but also above the water because you're casting above the water. So if you're casting into, you know, some tall trees and sticks and things like that, that makes it a lot more difficult when if the structures only come in sort of a foot above the water or so, that makes it a little bit easier. So get to know it during the day and then fish that area during the night. But I don't think that there's really any areas of Eildon that we've fished consistently that I would be confident to say there are no fish here. There are fish everywhere in that lake. Are there any key lures that you find that produce more fish for you there? I know that lures are lures. Like if if it's a plastic or a swim bait and you use it right and you fish it right, you'll catch a fish. But what's the kind of the depth that the fish that you find in winter sit at? So consistently, do they sit at a similar depth? Do you find them deep or do you find them scattered? Um, what depth are the ones likely to feed coming from? And then do you have a particular lure that is suited? The reason I'm asking if someone's doing a trip to Eildon, what's a handful of lures that they should probably take with them? Yeah. So if you're fishing at night at Eildon, the bigger, the better. Um, so I'll always have a big swim bait on one rod and a big soft plastic on the other. How big My- are you talking? <laughs> uh, at the moment, I've got a 10 inch mag draft and a mega bass battalion on the other one. Um, yep. But I do know people are throwing lures bigger than that. If you've got a rod that can cast it and you will catch fish on that. Yeah, The bigger, the better at night completely different when the sun comes up but at night yeah big baits work really well um my number one lure for that lake would 100 percent be a mega bass fatalian i've fished that lure at all different places and to be honest even at mawala i just can't catch a fish on it but at eildon it's a fish magnet like that would be my number one the big one i'm the 190 yep the 190 yep it's um it's the only place that i've fished with it that i'm just that confident with it the fish love it and 100%. do you usually fish it? Does it sink at all or it sits pretty high without any chin weight? So you can get a slow floating and a slow sinking version. And yeah. I'll normally run a slow sinking version, but also put a chin weight on it as well, depending the depth that I'm fishing at. Yeah. And 
Okay, so they're your big lures. What happens in the day when you were talking about not using big lures in the daytime? Do you find that you have to downsize or do you find that the fishing in the day is actually quite tough? Mainly just downsize your lures and they'll be a lot spookier during the day as well. So that's when it comes down to the way that you're casting. You're not wanting to do a big splash on the water or anything like that um, because you will spook them really quite quickly. So downsize and even like your little eight inch mag draft um, or even your spinner baits and stuff like that can work really well during the day for sure. And what depth are the fish hanging at um, consistently? What depth do you find them at in winter? Because I know some lakes, they sort of hold really, really shallow. So, for example, why angler in winter? And it goes every year is different, but we fished it at 17% and we fished it at 100%. Those fish are literally in a foot of water, like the first meter of water. And we found it last year when we fished there. You were literally just no weight, roll, roll your lure a foot under the surface and you were catching the most fish. As soon as you fished in a metre and a half, you were too deep. Blaring, I find, anywhere from there to three metres. Burrenjuck, they can be anywhere from there to about six metres in winter. What's consistent for Eildon? There isn't anything consistent <laughs> I didn't for think Eildon. There would be. I knew you were going to say that because I've no, done, a little, um, done a few sessions there and I've found the same. What I do find though is that it'll change sort of week by week. So if you do do a session like what we did last weekend, um, after we've done a session, everyone comes back and they talk and we'll find that the fish are sitting at a certain level and that will work for the whole weekend, where if you go back a week or two later, it'll be completely different. So it does definitely go in patterns. I haven't worked out what changes that pattern. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of reason, but I don't know what it is, but you'll find that you know, say two months ago, they were all sitting shallow. So they were sitting up sort of in a meter or even shallower pushed up into the bank. Um, where at the moment, most of those fish that we got on the weekend were sitting at sort of oh, probably seven, eight meters of water. Really? Um, yeah. That so is weird. It does change, but it will go through patterns. You'll get up to a week where they're all doing the same thing and then something will change and then they'll go and do something different. But they can swim out quite deep at Eildon as well, you'll find. Yeah, do you find a lot of them sit away from structure and you'll find them mid-water in really deep water? Is that common? Like they're not they're not always hugging the bottom or hugging the trees. They sit in quite open water and swim around like they own the joint? Yeah, probably last year more so they were doing that. This year, a lot of them are sitting right on the bottom. Um, really? Like really quite deep in the bottom where it's one of those lakes, a lot of the other lakes that I've fished at, you'll find the cod will sit on trees and sit on structure. That doesn't always happen at Eildon. Uh, I'm sure that there are ones that are doing that, but a lot of the time they're cruising along, but they're sitting right in the bottom. Yeah, right. So you're spotting them. They're hard to see when they're on yeah, the bottom. Really, Very hard to see. Really, really hard to see. Um, that's the problem with one thing we've got with blaring. There is no structure. So they are literally bottom huggers. They sit on the bottom and the ones that are up off the bottom do not feed very rarely. Mm -hmm. The ones that are active feeding are the ones sitting on the bottom and they almost look like, because it's giant carp in that lake. Like, I mean, giant carp, they almost blend in to the bottom. They're so difficult to catch that I know a few people up there and myself included that they struggle with the live tech up there and it's almost better to not use it. Yeah. So we've caught yeah. a couple of big fish up there on it, uh, but I know other people are out fishing me by putting it away, not using it because the fish are super spooky and they just fly up out off the bottom to eat. For example, Burrenjuck, totally different. You've got it. You're going to catch some good fish because they love sitting up in the timber. They actually sit up off the bottom quite a lot. Um, and like you said, you're saying Eildon, they change. They're not consistent. Yeah. And even Eildon, so you can use your live technology to find where the fish 
sort of where they're hanging around but then you can just cast in that area because the ones that are sitting on the bottom are generally quite hard to see anywhere so if you know that they're in that area just cast in there and run it just off the bottom and you'll find you'll pick up fish doing that as well you don't have to you know spot every fish that you're going to catch on live scope and watch it from you know from when you cast the lure to when it eats just you can cast in the area that you know that they're around there and you'll still pick them up yeah right and, when and they'll you- be good fish too when you're casting in the area, are you fishing mid-water column and the fish will fly up to eat it? Is that kind yep. of how do you confidently, let's say you found them, they're in an area, you're working a bank, let's say the bank. Do you prefer shallower banks or steeper banks in the winter or it doesn't matter? Uh, I don't think it really matters. They're probably, at the moment, we found quite a few out to the points of, of bays and inlets. Um, they'll just be hovering around there, but most of them are quite shallow um, they're not sort of steep rocky banks or anything like that. They're more like so. I would just forty-five yeah. degree banks. Yeah, and I'd just be casting almost into the bank and yep. then just winding it back to the boat. And you'll see if a fish is feeding and it wants to eat, it will fly up off the bottom. And I've seen them even swim vertical ten meters to hit a lure. Right. If they want it, they'll hit it. So you don't have to put it always. You don't have to put it right over the top of their nose if they're actively feeding they will know that it's there and they will hit the lure. So you will come into a bank, you'll find a spot that's productive, say let's say a 45 degree point, um, you'll cast around it and you'll cast just in on an angle and go up into shallow and roll it out into what obviously a full cast. You could be in 10 meters deep water or you could be in six or five depending on the bank's depth, yeah? Yeah, if I was doing it like that, I'd probably be sitting the boat in sort of 10 eight to 10 meters of water and just cast it into the bank and then back to the boat because you don't have to roll it the whole way along the bottom that, as I said, they'll come up for it. So you can that initial few meters and then they'll know that it's there. Yeah. So you're just rolling it. Um, not too worried about getting it super deep. You're just kind of rolling it mid water. Yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then what do you find that they move around in groups? So for example, well, actually happens in most lakes. Do you find that they're in a spot and then the next week they've moved and do you find they concentrate? Do you find that the cod concentrate in certain areas and once you find a few, they're usually in that same area for that couple of days or the session and then you can go back and they've moved and you've got to find them again? I think in Eildon, there's definitely places that consistently hold fish like there's always fish in those areas um and that's a but saying that you'll do a session and then go back there a week later and you won't see anything and then you'll go back a month later and you'll find fish there again so i think they do move but they will still go back to those certain areas yeah and then something we've found for example is a thing it's kind of what we're talking about but finding concentrations of fish and then um finding banks that are completely void do you find that eel and i know that eel and for example copedon for example it's got so many fish that nearly every bank had a fish when we went there like there were fish everywhere obviously some had more some had none but like 70 percent of the banks had fish whereas if you go to somewhere like byron jock or blaring 70 percent of the banks are void they're completely dead they're just no bait no cod they're just not there and the concentrations are just ridiculous with eildon being such a heavily stocked fishery one of the most heavily stocked fisheries do you find that more than half of the the spots have cod or do you still think there's a small area that's got lots of fish and then lots of areas that are completely barren from your experience Uh, because there's that much water that you probably 
no one's explored at all. I can guarantee. I don't think there's many areas that are completely barren of cod at Eildon. Um, I think that if you are fishing there and you think that if you if you came back in an hour or two, you'd probably change your mind. Like I do think they move around, but I don't think that there's any areas that I'd confidently say, no, it's barren that you're not going to catch a cod there. You know, yeah. that there are cod everywhere, but they may just be sitting right on that bottom fill. They may not be actively feeding, but there's not, yeah, I don't think that there'd be areas in Eildon that's completely barren of cod. There's so many in there. Yeah, so if you spend a bit of time in a certain arm, like say the big river arm, all that water out the front of the dam wall, that whole section there, um, and then all the way up the Goulburn River, like if you spend time in those key sort of zones, you don't have to be boating around 10Ks to the next spot, the next spot, like literally just stay in the area you're in because there's fish there. You've just got to find them in that area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll normally, like I've got certain areas that I'll fish, especially if it's at night and if I'm putting the boat in the water when it is night, I'm not going to go and drive to an area that I've never fished before. But I'd plan to have, say, four different runs that I've confidently fished before and I know the area and I'll go to one and I'll fish that start to finish. If I see something along there, I'll go back to the start and do that run again. Yep. If there's nothing there, I'll drive around to another one. Now, it may only be a couple hundred meters away or not even that. I'll do that run. If there's nothing there, go on to the next one. And that's how I'd fish at night. Yeah, nice. So you don't, yeah. So the runs are, they're all within, you know, a couple of K of one another. They don't have to be far. So you plan this while you're at work? Where oh, yeah. The, where are my four <laughs> spots for tonight? <laughs> I have it all planned out before I even get on the water and saying that sometimes things change um, and depending on weather and wind and and things that we spoke about earlier, but I'll normally have some sort of plan of where I'm, I'm going to go to fish. And, but this is, these are the times that I don't have all day to be on the water. Like if I had all day and all night, I would go and explore new areas and, and do all of that. But these are the nights that I literally have a babysitter for four or five hours and then have to get to bed to get up in the morning and look after a one-and-a-half-year-old. So I'm trying to maximise the time that I'm on the water in areas that I think that I'm going to catch fish. That's a great point because I do exactly the same thing. The, like the day lead up, I'll go, right, what's the weather? Here's the four spots we're going to pick. I'm curious to explore what you were talking about there though. So when you fish a run, how, how big could a run be? Could it just be like a bay or a point? Could it be anywhere from 50 to like 300 metres? Uh, normally to be... Probably 100, 200 meters. Yep, and you always you always finish it. Like if if the wind's happy, whatever. You know how you said you you do it, and if you see them, you'll start it again. Yep. Will you always finish it? Is there ever a point where you get halfway through it and you go, "There is nothing here. I'm moving." Or you 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 personally, because it's produced fish before, you'll usually cover it once. I'd always finish it because the reason I'm fishing there is because I've caught fish there before. And yeah, Eildon is one of those places that if you have caught fish in a certain area, you may be, you're in a good chance of catching them there again. So I'd always fish it unless the wind is, you know, howling right into the the bank and into me or making it really difficult. But saying that if the wind's doing that and I'm finding fish, I'll keep fishing through that because that's a hard thing. Like it's all well and good to pick the spots out of the wind and and that's really nice. But some of the biggest fish and, and best fish that I've caught have been out in the wind, in the waves and and all of that while I'm feeling sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, if you're seeing fish, yeah, I, I wouldn't go and, and fish somewhere else, um, even if the wind does cut up a little bit rough. But once I start that run, I'll fish it to the end. If I'm not seeing a lot, I may just drive a little bit faster, so finish it off a little bit faster, but I'd always fish it. 
Interesting. I do the same, but I actually <laughs> cut my banks in half, um, especially on those short sessions because uh, yep. I'll get halfway through it. And this is just a blaring and this is why it's interesting to talk about these things because everyone's different but every lake's different. If And same at Burrenjack. If I get halfway through my, say, spot one and it's not feeling it, like I really base things off not like obviously there's no fish so I'm not feeling it. I'll be yep. like, nah, I'm cutting this spot. On the next one, um, and that's just personal. And maybe, maybe I should push through because they could be all concentrated at one end of the bank. So it's it's interesting the way you've said it. And if I see fish on the bank, I'll just fish it really slowly, and it almost will take me all night to fish it. Um, whereas you're saying you'll lap it and do it again, which I find really interesting and yeah. actually a good technique, a good way to do it. Like to lap it. I'll, I will lap spots, but I'll usually slow down that much that it will take hours to complete a bank but those banks are they're quite long they could be yeah two three hundred meter banks um yeah it's interesting and then yeah and then so let's say you do like spot one spot two spot three and they all sucked and spot four was good your next trip does spot four become spot one and then you figure out your next three hundred percent yeah so i'll generally go my first spot will be the last place that i caught a fish um and i normally will throw the lure that i caught the last fish on so as i said earlier like that mega bass vitalium would be my number one for yield and but that last trip that we did over the weekend for some reason the big soft plastics were a killer so just about well i think i caught one fish on the vitalium and the rest were all on the 10 inch mag draft so things can change, but that trip in particular, and I know the other boys found the same thing as well. The big soft plastics really did a lot of the damage. That was good. And do you ever find that you get stuck on one bank the entire night? Like if they're there and you lap it again and again and <clears throat> you've caught two, three fish, oh, it's midnight, it's time to go home. Yeah, 100%. I could fish one area the entire night and it might only be 100 metres if you're finding fish and you're... Yeah, and it's been productive, then I don't have to go anywhere else. And what you said earlier too, I think is true. If you're not feeling it, go somewhere else. And I think that's when Brendan and I fished together. We'd sort of have a discussion before we'd get out on the water on where we plan to go and what we plan to do. And if one of us isn't feeling the area, it's not going to work. You've got to decide together because confidence is key. So if you're confident about an area and about the lure that you're using, you're more likely to catch a fish. And enjoy it. Like at the end of the day, we're doing it for fun. I don't want to be out there going, oh, this is no good. You know, we're not going to catch fish. Like just enjoy yeah. being out there. Yeah. Or being in white caps and chucking over the side. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> See, and I keep, I keep going back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, you do. Um, so, okay, so when we're working along a bank, just to get an idea for people, uh, I personally have two different ways of approaching impoundments now since the live tech so uh, I either fish quite heavily with it or don't really use it much at all and it, it depends on the scenario depends where I'm fishing obviously when we went to Wyangler last year I barely used it um, at blaring I'll decide on the night right the fish are up shallow I found them the other night I spent an hour looking I could not find any fish but there were carp everywhere up in a meter of water I can't see any caught up in a meter of water because it's too blurry. I literally just cast the edge and used it for depth or for if fish followed. But then there's other scenarios, especially when I've got mates with me that like it, like to see it, um, or we're dedicated to it. I'll spend a lot of time on it and we'll physically fish for fish. When you do a session, do you do a bit of both as well? How do you guys, everyone's different. Um, how do you go about your sessions? Do you 
actually cast all the time? Do you just look for fish? Obviously, you're on your own. So when you're together, you one can do one, one can do the other. What's your usual go-to plan when you're on your own? Yeah, so on my own, it depends how it's fishing. If it's a bit of a tough night or tough session, I'll definitely do what you said and sort of cast into the bank and do those things. But sometimes you don't have to do that because you'll find enough fish that you'll be chasing them. You don't need to be doing that. Um, but also at the end of the day, if you've, you're only out there for a few hours, you're not going to catch a fish if you don't have a lure in the water. So it's all well and good staring at a screen and trying to find fish the entire time, but you're not going to catch a fish if you're not casting at anything. So I think it's that fine line between using the live tech to find the fish, but if you can't, you know, find those easy fish that are free swimming, you can actually use it to learn about the area and know the areas to cast that you're more likely to catch a fish. Yeah, so like you said before, they're all sitting on the bottom. I can see them cruising up shallow. I'll just work this whole edge because I know they're here and I know they're on the bottom and I know that the angle of the bank, um, that's what I find really effective with it, especially just for seeing the bank in the dark. Like I had it. When I without it, we used to I used to be really had to concentrate a lot on surroundings and hills on a new moon or when it was dark and and where you were in the depth. I was staring at my sounder all the time for depth and the bottom contour on my side scan, just to try and keep that full cast distance from the bank. And I found back then a lot of lures landed on the bank or <laughs> way too short. Whereas now I can kind of point it and go, cool, I'm at the right depth. Um, it's super handy for that, keeping the same sort of distance away from the bank. I don't know if you find the same. Yeah, and I'm much more confident now driving in the dark using that. Like I'll use that to – I don't really – I rarely need to turn on a head torch unless I'm casting into structure that I think is above the water. Other than that, I won't turn a head torch on. I'll use that to see where the structure is and how close I am to the bank. But I've also used it to learn a lot about the lures that I'm using and how they travel in the water, how quickly they sink um, and they things like quick, that. They rise quick, eh? How quick do yeah, they rise? Yeah, so it's So um, quick. I never would have known um, any of that without using that. So I've sort of used that as much as I can to learn um, and also be more accurate with my casting as well. So when you're casting into the bank, especially at night and into structure, if you know that there's structure and quite thick structure at 18 metres, you don't want to be casting at 19 metres because you're going to lose a lure or you're going to spend half an hour trying to get a lure out of the stick. So I've used it to become really accurate with my casting as well. Um, And it's all, I'm still learning. I think everyone is, but it's just a great tool to use for that. Awesome. Uh, going back to the question I asked you about the your, your go-to lures. So you're doing a trip. You've got five lures that you can take to Eildon. You've got the Vitalian 190. You've got the 10-inch mag draft. What are your other three lures? Um, or do I'd you probably not have... need anymore? Are they like the two that go on every time? Those two go on every time for Eildon just because they would have caught me probably Honestly, 90% of the fish that I've caught at Eildon have been on those two lures. Do you retire um, your lures? <laughs> I do for PBs. I used to. Um, and now if it's a special fish and it's a PB, I definitely do. So the 122 is yeah. not in? It Well, Brendan actually used it the following 
night. And then he said, yeah, he put it back in the box. He went, oh, I can't do that to you. If I end up losing your lure, um, he goes, you'll never forgive me for that. <laughs> so I, I did retire that lure sitting there and it's pretty munched up as well. But he just loves the ones that, you know, the, the mag drafts in particular, the ones that have caught fish, they look horrendous. Like they're losing eyes. They've got big chunks out of their back. They're all roughed up, but they continue to catch fish. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but once one of those soft plastics has caught one fish, they continually. Mojo. Um, Good mojo. Yeah. it's It's got to be that. It's But yes, that one's retired from the weekend. Nice. But I think those two, you know, the big ones are very important, but then also something a bit of a smaller profile. So normally it'd be an, an eight inch mag draft or even like Jack Gantier is a good one as well. Yeah. Um, so that's, and then you're going to put that as number three and four. That'd be a combined three. Yeah. No, no, you can only have so, five. You can only have five <laughs> right. lures. So you've got. All right. We'll go a. We'll go an eight-inch mag draft for three. We'll go the Gantier for four, and then a spinner bait for five. Uh, one ounce, one and a half ounce. We'll go one ounce. Yeah, just for something different. Yeah. Do you use that much in the winter time, or is that more of a warmer, aggressive sort of time of year lure? I haven't in the past used it a lot in winter, um, but it's something that I'm wanting to try more this winter coming up. So I've got a few there ready to go. I just haven't really had a chance to use them yet. But I think that there definitely are some fish in Eildon that, yeah, will be will be quite quite good to catch on on that. And something a little bit different is always good as well. You'll find these fish are smart. So just when you think that you've worked them out, they'll yeah they'll learn and and you'll have to throw something different and at the moment the fish at Eildon probably aren't under a huge amount of pressure because it is such a big lake but you compare it to somewhere like Mawala and especially during the drawdown and things like that those fish you had to throw something different because they'd just seen so many lures so aren't they um, clever <laughs> too clever sometimes they're so clever um a great example which I've probably overused was our Blaring. It's just crazy to see how things changed so much in the Copeton scene with the top water. I don't know if you saw how that happened and how many fish got caught on top water and then how hard they are to catch. Now, while that mm-hmm. was happening, the same thing happened at Blaring with the plastics. We would get four to five hits for a three hour morning session every single time. <laughs> for an entire year. The year before, we were sort of just throwing plastics. That next year was insane. And then the year after, was still pretty good. Year after, not as good, not as good. And now it's like they're clever fish. They just know. Yeah, they are. They're, they learn really, really quickly. Um, and, yeah, it's very difficult to trick them at times. But I think sometimes throwing something a little bit different definitely helps with that. How do you go on boat noise is it something you understand and try to minimize? Have you found that real spooky to boat noise? 100%. And probably we didn't realize until last weekend our Minkota remote got a bit of water in it the previous weekend and stopped working. So we put we had a spare Minkota off my little boat on it, but it's an older model and it's very loud. So we were actually, Brenda and I were chasing fish. And in the end I said to him, stop using the Minkota. Just stop because it was spooking from the noise of the Minkota. Really? Um, which we've never really found before, but yeah, it was definitely a problem. So hundred percent, yeah, boat noise, they know. They, and every, this fish in particular, we were chasing it and every time he'd use the encoder, it'd stop and it turned at the boat and then swam again and then he'd use the encoder and stop, turn at the boat. Yes, they so look they, at the boat. How often yeah. do they and look this, at you? 
that fish would have been, you know, 20 metres from the boat. So it wasn't underneath the boat either, but it knew. So, yeah. And and especially when you're fishing at night, you know, during the day we'll go out, we'll have some music on, we'll have friends in the boat and it's all a bit more relaxed. But if you're out there at night grinding in the cold and in the wind and in the rain, there's no music, there's no, like, even if I drop something in the bottom of the boat, it'll be like, oh, they know, like, they can hear everything. So... Yeah, yeah, quiet is key. What do you wear? Do you wear Uggies? I do, yeah. Nice. That's my style. Yep. Which, <laughs> yeah, Uggies, a big freezer suit, big jacket. I'm always cold. It's freezing out there. I'm still trying to find uh, the fine line between having enough layers on that you're warm, but not too many layers that you can't physically move or cast. And yep. I'm still trying to perfect that at the moment. It's it's hard on those cold nights. How do you go for gloves? Have you found a winning pair of gloves or do you go bare oh. hands? If anyone finds a pair, tell me because I think I've tried every pair of gloves and I can't fish with gloves. I've got one so, for you. Dear, okay. So you might not like it, you might have tried it, but I got onto this from a keen fly angler, Jimmy Barwick. Um, he's like, you've got to do this because obviously fly fishing, your hands get wet all the time so he's out there and he actually throws flies for the cod he's like fingers are freezing because they're wet so the gloves he got i got a pair tell you what they're good they are possum fur merino gloves so okay they're fingerless so your fingertips will get cold but you gotta sort of deal with that so you still feel your fingertips the thing is though they're not waterproof they're just like a real woolen-y glove but when they're wet they're still warm Hard to believe oh, because it's merino okay. possum fur, those things live getting wet yeah. and they're still warm. So even though, because like, it holds your body, so it's just like warm water. Like I've fished with them, got wet hands and you don't even notice that they're wet because they're still toasty warm. And okay. I'm keen. I'll try them out. I've tried as. everything. They're really yeah. cheap. They're finger, like they got, you cut your fingertips out. So obviously... You're just going to have to deal with that. If you can't deal with that, well, maybe you shouldn't chase cod. But um, <laughs> the big, thick ones, some of them are great, but they're so hard to hold the rod and reel. This, they're thin, like there's no, like it doesn't affect how you hold the reel or the rod yep. or cast. You can still feel it and they can get wet and they do get wet. So I've got like two pairs for extended trips. Like when the wet ones, you try and, you know, chuck them in the car or in the bottom of the boat and grab the other pair out. They're only like between 30 and 40 dollars so well pair of gloves oh. really shouldn't be much but yeah try them i'll have to try them because i've tried everything and brendan does wear gloves and he can fish really well with them but i can't i can't cast and and even drive the mink coder with the buttons i struggle i make mistakes if i've got gloves on my yeah, left hand as well. so eh? um i just run bare hands and i freeze but it's fine like it's yeah it's okay. It. So I'll try those ones. Try them. That po- sounds they're good. Be possum fur merino. So they're hard. Like they got okay. possum, possum and merino in them. Possum. Okay, yeah. I'll give it a go. But but yeah, everything else is definitely UGG boots, big freezer suit, jackets, and everything else. I've recently purchased a heated vest, Get which out. was a game changer on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Bought that off Instagram online and it's got a little battery in it. It only lasted, I think, five hours on high, but it kept me my core warm. So heated vest for the win. That was good. good. So I'm always trying different things, but I still had all my other layers on as well. But if you're warm, you will be able to fish longer and be more successful. If you're sitting out there and you're cold and you're wet and you're miserable. You can't be cold. No, and you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to catch fish. It's, yeah. 
you got to be warm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I've seen it happen twice um, to people in my boat who like let themselves get too cold because they were underprepared. I'm going to throw them under the bus, but Alex Ross <laughs> come out with me yeah. a couple of seasons ago at Blaring and he he like he didn't want to be rude, like, but I could just tell he was not in a good way. Like no. We kept pushing and we kept fishing, but... When we're, he's like, yep, yeah, got to get in the swag. Even the swag, he said he didn't sleep much, but he was that cold because he didn't have the right gear. And once it gets India, you, you don't even enjoy it. You don't want to be there and you could just, it's just not good. It's bad for you too, but yeah, don't let yourself And it's cold. actually, if you've got someone in your boat that's like that, I've found that that even influences your fishing because you're thinking about them going, oh, they're miserable and they're cold and you then won't fish as well. Like if everyone in the boat's warm and happy, you'll all have a better session yes that is very true i actually didn't know that he was that bad because he kept it in which he shouldn't have he's pretty oh. good at keeping it in. yeah he's i could tell he was cold but i didn't realize that cold another person that came out with me was my wife's cousin just came out for a quick session one morning it was probably the coldest morning i've ever been to blaring i offered him ski gear when we left the house in the morning so he wasn't even going to come but he was here for a family barbecue and i was like do you want to come we're going at two and he walked out the hallway at two i was like oh you're coming he's like yep He's like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm like, oh, here's some skeggy. He's like, no, no, I'll be right. I'm like, you've literally oh. got a jumper, a jacket and jeans on. I was like, no. And then he goes, he's, he works um, in the Australian Army. He goes, mate, I've slept on the floor, like on the ground with nothing in war, freezing cold. I'm like, righto, whatever. Got <laughs> out there. He was that cold. He literally had to curl yep. up in a ball in the boat at about 4.30 a.m., come back yep. and he was still an icicle. And I did not care to no. because I offered him clothes. It's like, you idiot. <laughs> yes, it'll knock oh. anyone. But anyway. Um, and it's funny, those morning sessions as well, I find you get out on the water at, you know, 3.34 o'clock and it's cold, but it's okay. Then it gets really cold at about mm-hmm. sort of five to six o'clock just before the sun comes up and you thought you were cold before and then suddenly you're yep. like, oh, this is cold and it yield and this mad fog rolls in as well, which is really eerie and it, it's really amazing, but that's when it normally fishes really well. And then the sun comes up, but it's all these different emotions as you go through, you know, dark, cold, wet, and then suddenly the sun's up and yeah, it's amazing though, as long as you're warm. Yes. It's worth it. Eildon is freezing too. Like I do our weekly predictions in the membership and every time Eildon's like five or six degrees colder than everywhere else. It's like always cold. Yeah, it is it is cold. Saying that, I've fished Copeland before and that was pretty cold. All the islets on our rod were freezing when we were up there last time. So Copeland's pretty – and blaring too, actually. Yes. Have you never yeah. had them freeze at Eildon? No, I haven't. Wow. Not yet. Yeah, right. I've had it a dozen no. all the time up here and – at Bone Jack, I thought Eildon would be the same. Maybe it doesn't get those super bitter minuses like yeah. it does here. Gets cold. I've here. never had them freeze, but it still feels cold. Yeah. Sometimes the nights that aren't frosty that have that like that wind that not too st- yep. stiff a wind, but like it doesn't do anything to the water. Like the water's still pretty calm, but it like cuts through under your neck and under your jacket, and you're like, oh, that's the stuff that gets See- you. This is why you need the heated vest because yes, the heated vest has a ring around the collar, which is all heated. So it's heated right up to your neck. It's oh, amazing. So it's like a warm draft. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, cool. I think that is pretty much everything. Um, when it comes, so if someone is planning to fish Eildon, let's just, uh, it's a huge lake. Obviously, you spend majority of your time in like the southern half. Have you fished up the Delatite much for cod at all or is it more based around the wall and towards the south? 
I've only fished up the northern end a couple of times, um, and we mainly go to the south just because of family in Alexandra. It makes more sense to go through there. Yeah. Um, but I think that the whole lake probably fishes quite well, and I think the main thing is just making a plan of where you're going to put the boat in, where are you going to stay, and if people are wanting to go and you know spend the night in the boat, don't get to midnight and go, right, now we've got to find somewhere that we can sleep, especially if it's windy and raining. Do all of your homework during the day. So when it's daylight, drive around, pick your areas or your runs that you're going to go and fish and then find a spot and even mark it on your maps that that's where I'll come back. It's a nice bank. I can pull the boat up and, and actually have a bit of a sleep tonight. Plan that all in the daytime. And then when the sun goes down, you're just ready to go and ready to fish. That's what you do? You do that in the daylight yep. when you're on a, a decent trip? Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple, I've got a few spots that I know that I can stay. Um, but if I ever see somewhere that sort of, because of course, when the the water depth changes, it'll change the banks and what's exposed and things like that. But if I ever see a sheltered bay, which has some soft ground that you can just pull the boat up easily, I'll mark it. And then it means that that's somewhere at least that you can stay. And if you're organized, stay at the Botels at Jerusalem Creek, because it's literally an apartment on the water. You pull the boat up, you hop out, you go into a nice heated room and you go to bed. That's amazing. But we can't, we can't always do that. So no, yeah, you did just, that last week. Yeah. Do you, are they one of the houseboats that you drive away or they actually just stay there? No, you stay there. So there's four of them. there. all, they're just attached to a, right. a little jetty, which is at Jerusalem Creek at cafe 501. So you don't drive it anywhere. You just yeah book yep. it online and pull your boat up. And it's just like a little motel on the water. Yeah, so we've right. done houseboats before, which are really good as well. Um, we've done a, a couple of houseboat trips last year, which were a lot of fun. But, yeah, the boatels were good last weekend. We had the three out the front all booked out with, with all our friends and all the boats lined up. It was good. Nice. That's a really good way to enjoy it, especially if it's not yeah. the best weather. Um, yeah, yeah. The other question I had for you was when you are doing that research, like let's say you do have extra time, like the trip you just did, even though you weren't looking for spots to camp because you had accommodation, do you spend the daylight hours fishing real hard to find fish or do you actually spend the daylight hours searching? Is that something you do? Do you look for bait? Do you look for structure? Do you look for banks to fish and then go, right, that'd be a good spot to try in the dark? Is that how you expand like your zones that you fish? Yeah, but I'd still be looking for big fish during the day. So I wouldn't ever go out there and think, you know, I'm I'm not fishing. I'm just looking for bait or looking. I'd always have rods there ready to go because that's when you'll find a good one. Um, But if we've got the time during the day to go out and research sort of new areas, yeah, we're trying to to mark out new areas and new runs that we can do and and how easy they are to get to and, and where we'd be focusing fishing. But I'd always still have rods ready to go because that's when you're going to find big fish for sure. Do you catch many in the day? Like what, do you catch 10% of all the fish in the day or do you catch many in the day? That PB was a daytime one, so that was good. But to be honest... What time was it? Most... It was just after seven in the morning. It's so kind, kind of like a morning session six. fish still. Yeah. What about yeah. like no. daylight, like sun, sun, pen, like sun on the water? Do you catch many in that situation? I probably, I can't remember the last time I fished in the middle of the day, to right. be honest. So yeah. yeah, it, I think it's probably a bit harder at Eildon to catch daytime fish. Um, but saying that we just haven't really had the opportunity and 
that was the whole point of this trip. I planned to spend a lot of time on the water during the day, but because we didn't have babysitters and I had Heidi, um, I stayed on the boatels. Brendan went out for a bit of a fish during the day, but it wasn't like we were spending a lot of time out there during the day. And we did do it. We had a a competition at Eildon, the Lake Eildon Fishing Challenge. It was a couple of weekends ago and we planned to fish, you know, all night and all day, but we probably made the mistake. We got out in the water about two o'clock, but then by about eight o'clock, you're tired. Like you've just spent six hours and we're just getting into prime time. And in hindsight, we probably should have been a bit smarter and fished for a few hours during the day, had a break and then gone back out because we fished 10 hours straight and really, really probably struggled. Um, And then the next night planned it a little bit better and and got onto some good fish. So it's just hard to do everything, I think. Yep. yeah, I would love to be able to go out and spend some sessions during the day around Deald and I just haven't really had the opportunity to do that yet. Yeah, I like the point you make about not pushing yourself too hard, even if it's not a fishing comp. Um, if you were to fish all day, I've done it before, thinking I'll do a big night session and by like, it was sunset, I was like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm not going yeah. to fish tonight, I'm cooked. And do you know what happens then? You've fished for whatever, you know, eight, ten hours solid and then you get a, there's about two or three seconds that something will happen and a fish will hit that lure and when it happened to me, I stuffed it up because I had a yes. massive brain fade and you're like, you've just put in, you know, nearly ten hours on the water for that one moment and you've made a mistake because, yeah, you just weren't fishing as well as what you normally would. That's what happened. So I think having a bit of a rest and getting out there and feeling fresh and warm, we got cold, we got wet, we got everything that trip. Um, the second night we regrouped and had a bit of a think about it and it was much more successful. So yeah, for a few seconds, it's really important to be feeling, yeah, not tired or not, not fatigued at all. Spot on. I've got three more questions for you and then we're done. Yeah. Um, yep. Last one on Eildon itself. Is it, does it go through waves of fishing quite good? So if someone's planning a trip, for example, some places will be like really quiet. They'll go off the bite for a whole month. They're, they're quite tough to, to catch. And let's just look at it as a, as a winter thing, like a May, June, July, August. Uh, if someone's planning a trip, should they be worried about that? Or uh, I think I know the answer based on how the podcast <laughs> went. But it, it, is it somewhere that like will fish reasonably well? And uh, by reasonably, I mean you put in heaps of effort, you'll find a fish. Um, is that like if I was planning a trip and we'd booked a trip a month in advance, do we have to be worried about them biting or not? Or is it somewhere they'll usually feed just every day or week for the whole winter if you can work them out. Obviously, some days they'll bite better, some they won't, but they don't completely shut off other than that scenario where you said they dropped heaps of water out and they went quiet. Just on a standard season, it's pretty consistent. Yeah, I think it's really consistent. You'll definitely have days that will fish or even sessions. So nights may fish better than mornings and things like that, but that fishery as a whole is really quite consistent. And the only time that I've found that it did sort of drop off quite obviously was when they were letting that huge amount of water out. I think that upset them a little bit, which is fair enough. Um, But other than that, especially now going into winter, it fishes well. Like I wouldn't be worried if anyone was looking at booking in trips. It's not like you'd have to be looking ahead and and changing dates or anything like that. It'll fish well all the way through. Nice. Uh, Your most, do you have a memorable fishing moment? What's your most memorable moment? Does one come to mind? Is there a story uh, of anyone in particular that meant a lot or one that just jumps to mind that you'd like to share? 
Uh, it'd have to be my first meadery at Ilden, and that was with Brendan in the boat. And we'd spent hours and hours out on this lake just trying to nut it out. And we'd both talked and said, there are big fish here. Like, we know that there are monster fish in this lake. We just couldn't find them. And it was a morning session, and I think I was probably six months pregnant at the time and just grinding it out. We'd done about three nights there for no fish and we're getting a bit desperate. The sun had come up and we sort of looked at one another and went, you know, this is it. We've done our three days here. And anyway, ended up um, catching this fish and it was my first meter at Lake Yield and I think it was about a 106 and I couldn't lift it into the boat. So Brendan had to lift it. And I remember just the excitement of getting that fish into the boat. I think I I almost cried. He was all emotional about it as well. He goes, I still remember I've got the photo of that fish on our fridge at home. And I look at it all the time. Just that was just the start, I think, of our love for Ilden and my probably addiction to, to going back. But just that moment to do it together. And we'd put the hours in like we had grinded out on the water and it was freezing. And as I said, I was pregnant. I was pretty miserable at the time um, with morning sickness as well well as boat sickness but um yeah just to get that fish in the boat we definitely yeah worked hard for that one and and that I do believe was sort of that start of this love that we've got for that lake and why we probably do just keep going back it is addictive that's awesome what did you catch it on and, and what time like so it was in the morning like what time was it uh, I think that probably would have been seven thirty, eight o'clock or so in the morning so the sun had well and truly come up yep. um and we'd sort of looked at one another and gone oh we probably missed that opportunity that we'd been chasing but everything just worked out and i'm fairly certain that was on a battalion as well so, you're certain it's yeah. one of the ones you really remember and you can't remember what you caught it on oh no but i remember <laughs> everything else about it i That's remember all funny. of the emotions about it but no i don't yeah i'm pretty sure it was a battalion it would have been um yeah but yeah i remember all of the emotions and after it like just the feeling like i was high as a kite the rest of that not even just that day long time after that i just yeah i still think about it all the time it's a good moment in that yeah it was and that i couldn't even stand up with it brendan's going hold it properly stand up i said i can't stand (laughs) up with it i'm gonna so i remember just sort of kneeling and sitting on the front deck of this boat with this big slob of a fish and it was fat it was probably one of the fattest eel and fish i've ever caught but um and just yeah when it hit that lure i remember brendan's going is it on is it on and all i was doing was grunting and he's like (laughs) is it on so now he's like are you grunting or what like have you set the hooks it's um yeah lots of grunting that morning because that fish it hit hard and it fought hard too and yeah it was very very exciting i loved it that's cool i bet you're getting those feelings back just talking about it and thinking about it it's special yeah i get I get pumped up thinking about it or yeah, talking about anything to do with cod. I love it. When's your next session now? Because <laughs> I'm keen. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to go fishing tonight. Oh, um, I'm not sure. We're getting a few things done to the boat. So I think Brendan sent something away um, at the moment. So I think maybe in two weeks we'll get back and. Two weeks to go without out. a session? I know. Well, I think actually, well, that's for me anyway. I think Brendan might get a session next week. So. Um, I say two weeks, maybe, yeah, I'll have to sneak out after work one night, maybe. And you did and just have a good again. session though. Like you did just have a crack. I know, out. I know. And I'm very great. And we had two good sessions in two good, two weeks. So I, um, yeah, I might have to stop in by Alex and let Heidi have a play date with her grandparents <laughs> again and do, do a quick overnighter again. How, um, how yeah. many fish did you catch between the group of you last week? Uh, what was it? I think there was about, oh, that would have been three, five over a meter. Jeez, that's good were, for five of yours. 
Yeah, so we had three Botels. It was Brendan and I in one. Josh and his brother, Jake, were in another. They got two over the meter and then three other friends in the other Botel. They actually didn't catch a fish for the few days, so they were a bit heartbroken about that. So two out of the three Botels caught fish. Um, yep. But, yeah, there were quite a few over the meter and there were, I think, three in the 90s. And then Brendan and I got three sort of smaller fish as well. So Right. Nice. Um, yeah, I actually had one. I got seagulled, so I had a big fish. This is a funny story. Big fish following the lure. And I, I thought, here we go. This is good. Like, you know, meter 10 plus. This is going to be really good. I'm own again. And then next minute, bang, hit the lure. And I thought, something doesn't feel right. And I set the hooks and went, just feels a bit strange. And I knew the fish was heading towards this bush. And I thought, maybe I've sort of got caught in the bush or something's happened. And Anyway, saw the fish swim away, the big fish, and I thought, what, what's gone wrong? Looked down, and anyway, this probably a 40-centimetre cod has come out of the bush and seagulled this lure out of this big fish's mouth, and I've caught this tiny little cod. This is about 10 o'clock at night or something like that, so... Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. So the, but so the big one was right there and the little ones jumped yep. in front of it. Yep, and grabbed it. A 10-inch mag draft. It was just about the same size of the lure. Cheeky that's bugger. Okay. It was fine. See, so yeah, we got a few smaller ones too, which is good because sometimes we don't catch a lot of the smaller ones, but they were nice, healthy fish. But, yeah, quite a few over the meter and, and that was really good. Beautiful. Okay, the final two questions. Oh, no, yep. you did one. Last question. Um, to finish us off, uh, I'd like to ask this. Do you have any... Life lessons, advice for people, uh, any last word you'd like to say, but any advice on it can be fishing or life in general for people to take with them? I think the main thing that I feel quite strongly about is that yeah, people should be able to go out there and enjoy fishing and especially for me in the last couple of years, having the confidence to go out on my own has been really, really good for me Um and it means that I've been more passionate about it and enjoyed my fishing a lot more. So if more people are out there that, you know, are maybe thinking about taking their partner's boat out or their boat out on their own, you can do it. Um, it may take a few trips just to be confident enough to do it. But once you've done it a few times, you don't get a better feeling of just achievement of doing it on your own and having that independence of hooking the boat up, going out for a session, catching a good fish, getting it in. Um, make sure you have everything set up, ready to go. Cause if you do do it and you don't have your tripod for your camera and stuff like that, it's a bit disappointing to not get a good photo, but plan ahead, have it organized and you can all do it. Um, and yeah, once you've done a few sessions, you'll be more confident and it ends up being yeah really, really quite, quite worthwhile. I think. Beautiful. Very well said on that note though, how do you set up your camera? Just, I just really want to ask before we go. Yeah. So, well, because I get so many comments on social media. How does she do that solo? She's taking a photo. I get that all the time. Um, on the side of our boats, we've got a console and it's got a metal bar and I've got a clamp that just clamps on. Um, it's called a small rig and it's just bought off like Amazon or Prime or one of them. And you clamp that on and it's just got a little phone tripod, little clip on top of it. And I just set it up. I used to use a self timer where now I've actually, you'll see in some of my photos, I've got a little Bluetooth button. I find it easier to have a button in my hand because I can press multiple photos. I'm not waiting for the timer to take one photo, take another one. And the Bluetooth button, you can actually hold down and take a video as well. So cool. I just, yeah, that's how I do it. But with the side console it's just got a bar and I've just got a little tripod clamp and once you get the right height it's quite easy and most of my fish if I'm sitting down with them it just makes it easier I clip the phone in as soon as it's in the net phone goes in the holder and then yeah 
hook it up and go. Awesome. So the Bluetooth thing's just a little cheap little remote thing that connects to your iPhone. That's Bluetooth. Yeah, it's just it's just a tiny little cheap. It's got a little on-off switch and then a big button on it. And it just hooks up to your phone um, via Bluetooth. So as soon as you press it, and it takes live photos as well, which can be really good. Um, you can then pick which part of the photo you want to use, but yeah. you just press it. So I just have one hand holding the, the mouth of the fish. And then if you look in some of my photos, you'll see sometimes my hand looks like it's doing something a bit awkward because it's holding a, a button and I can just press that as many times as I need. Yeah. Nice. Super yeah. simple and quick. And that's what needs to be the way and the case if you are on your own even if you're with someone you need to be quick with the fish so like you said you set that all up first then lift the fish in the boat hold it take your photos fishes back in yeah and it's super quick and simple so i have everything set up ready to go as if i'm going to catch a fish hopefully. maybe that's why you catch so many <laughs> <laughs> well i know as soon as i don't then i'll catch a fish and then i'll be yeah not very organized so i have all the the brag mat there pliers to get the hook out everything set up tripod there lights ready to go and then once hopefully i catch that fish and then get it in the net the fish the net that i've got will hang down low enough that the fish is still sitting fully in the water so it's nice and stretchy mm-hmm. it's sitting in the water and that's when i just reach across turn the light on clip your phone in lift the the fishes out of the water for quite a minimum amount of time quick few photos and then it goes back in so organized and so efficient very nice oh i try to (laughs) um thank you very much for jumping on and thank you for sharing your story and all those things that i asked you all the questions i asked you to our listeners and i'm sure everyone enjoyed but uh you enjoy the rest of your day and get excited for that trip in two weeks and Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. And there you have the episode, guys. Uh, Just another epic, epic chat. And it's good to be back with another episode, interview episode on the podcast. It's been a couple. The last one we did was around the campfire on a drift. The other one was the chat uh, with myself, Karen, Dan, and Chris. But we are back into our standard interview episodes where we're interviewing some of the best minds in angling around Australia. Obviously, focusing on big cod at the moment because it is prime time for those big fish. We actually went out for a session on the weekend and got onto a really, really nice fish. More info on that to come on our social media pages. But we are now looking at the heart of June. June, July, August are our prime times and you won't believe it will go in a blink of an eye. So make sure you can make the most of your trips, especially if you're heading to Eildon. Now, if you are after more content, if you want to learn more, you want to see more videos, you want reports, updated content, you want to take your fishing to the next level. You Maybe you've been out in sessions, you're not quite sure this podcast is helping you put pieces of the puzzle together, but you're still not quite getting it. We have the answer for you. We have the Social Fishing Membership which is a platform that I designed, I created with a bunch of other really keen and dedicated anglers to just share information. This is why this podcast started. We wanted to help share information for the broader community to help you guys catch fish. We get so many awesome messages from listeners who are out there catching incredible fish and also our members. The membership content will help you find different key areas. We talk about different key concepts in more in-depth more than what we do in the podcast. We have reports from over 16, 17 different locations throughout New South Wales and Victoria every single month explaining where the fish are biting, what's working and how to catch them plus so much more cool information. So make sure you check it out. If you really want to learn how to chase these big winter cod, make sure you check out the Social Fishing Membership. We will be doing a trip to Lake Eildon this winter, possibly in mid-July 
when we do that trip, we will be creating a trip report where we talk about how we fished, where we fished, what we did, what we learned so that you can take that information and go do it yourself. The best thing that I find is hearing messages from people saying, thank you so much. What you shared helped me catch fish. I enjoy myself. That is what I believe fishing is all about. It's all about getting out there, enjoying yourself. And if I can help as many people as possible, that is my goal. That is my job done. I don't think fishing should be kept secret. I don't think we should keep it to ourselves so that only we can experience it. I get more joy out of seeing other people catch fish. I was with my mate on the weekend. He caught his PB cod. It was an incredible experience whether I'm there with him in that moment catching that fish or whether I hear and get a message from a member or someone we've helped who goes, hey, thank you so much. I was able to do this. It's a passion. That's a new passion of mine that I've now got. Someone who was lost in life who had no idea what they were doing, didn't really have something that was their thing to do. They now love whatever style it is. It could be chasing yellow belly in spring. It could be chasing trout on fly or big cod in winter and they've now got this, this passion of theirs. I spoke to someone on the weekend who... From the, the the knowledge we shared back way back when we started catching cod uh, in 2015-16 is now been doing it since then and absolutely loves it um, and he's so grateful that we were able to share what we were doing through the social media world and then we got heaps of messages on the social media world on you know how do we do this, where do we go and that's where the membership started. So anyway, if you're after more content, you want to watch more films, awesome videos, learn and talk to other like-minded anglers in an amazing community, check out the Social Fishing Membership. Anyway, thank you so much again to Kate Norman for jumping on for this episode, sharing her knowledge on lake yielding, giving you an insight into that incredible fishery and also into her life and how she fishes. So, I am very thankful that she jumped on and shared all that information with myself and you guys. Anyway, that is it from me. I will be back soon with some more amazing podcast episodes, just a little sneak peek into what is coming up. I will be chatting again to Jacko Davis. I've done a couple of episodes with him where we just kind of generally chat and I really like them. So, there will be another one this winter with Jacko and there will also be another one from an upcoming trip that we have in the next couple of weeks. So, stay tuned for that. We will do some podcasts on location and when we return home, talking all about the lessons we learned on Chasing Big Winter Cod on that trip. Now, one thing I'm going to do on that trip is I'm actually going to fish slightly different to what I normally do because there's going to be so many of us there. We've got a few few boats going. I'm going to fish outside of the normal, outside of the traditional, maybe throw some more surface lures, throw some different style lures and see if I can figure out if fish behave differently to other presentations or if I can find as many fish on surface while other people are fishing your standard swim baits and plastics. I've got some other weird, unique lures there too that I want to try. So anyway, trying to try different things so that we can learn more about fish and try and fool those really intelligent big cod. That's it from me, guys. I'll be talking to you in the next upcoming podcast or weekly inside the Social Fishing Membership if you are a member. That's it from me, and I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy your next session on the water. My name is Reese Creed, and you've been listening to the Social Fishing Podcast.